0: When you think about your body image challenges, the, the, the direction you're going is to embody the most noble aspects of yourself because that's what people will fall in love with. That's what stepchildren will fall in love with. That's what new, new, new partners will fall in love with is they'll fall in love with your compassion, your generosity, your patience, So really feel for gravitating towards bringing those things to life through your body, because kindness is just a nice concept until someone embodies it.
1: Where would you take your life if you knew you could not fail? I get it. As a stepmom, mom, and entrepreneur, sometimes it can feel like what everyone else expects of you versus what you dream about for yourself are on opposite ends of the spectrum. As a woman, you're taught from a very young age what society thinks you're worth based on how you look, how you behave, and how much money you are allowed to bring in. But I'm here to show you that you can be the woman who has it all, and not just on the outside. I'm Brittany Lynch, and you are the queen of your castle. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Queen of Your Castle podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Lynch. Come on at you with an extra special, super nourishing, wonderful guest today. Today on the show, we have the one and only Erica Mather. Erica is an author. She has a billion tricks in her bag. She's going to be talking to us all about those tricks. Um, but in a nutshell, Erica helps people feel better in and about their bodies their beautiful little bodies your beautiful body is getting all the love today listener as a yoga therapist she helps people adjust their attitudes and mindsets about their bodies which are often at the root of how we handle crucibles like injury illness and aging yes amen when a crisis arises she's also there to help manage the physical and emotional repercussions of injury illness and aging Erica is also the author of Your Body, Your Best Friend, so cute, Your Body, Your Best Friend, and The Confidence-Crushing Pursuit of Unrealistic Beauty Standards, and Embrace Your True Power.
0: Pause. I think I wrote that. I think I wrote that introduction, and I think I wrote that book. It's a pretty good intro, actually.
1: It's a pretty good intro, and a pretty cool (laughs) book. (laughs) So, Erica, thank you so much for being here today. Um, Thank you beyond beyond the intro that we just gave who the heck who the heck is erica mather and how did you find your way onto this podcast
0: (laughs) well i was attracted by the title of the podcast queen of your castle because who doesn't want to be the queen of your castle i love that uh how who am i um i'm a girl from the midwest who moved to new york city became everything I couldn't be in the Midwest and then like wrote a book.
1: (laughs) What does that mean? Became everything I couldn't be in the Midwest. What does that mean?
0: Well, um, I think that's, that's good to ask also because you're in Canada. I was in the Midwest and yeah, you know, we, we have a lot in common us folks from Wisconsin and Minnesota. So I hear uh, but
1: with us Canucks, that's what you mean? We're the same. Yeah, we're same. Not- okay. Okay. How tell me? Uh, how? I
0: don't know. I mean, that's, that's very, that's very it's collapsing. Lots of complexities, but what does it mean? Um, I think in the Midwest, I felt out of place in part because I'm tall and brunette and I grew up in Wisconsin where people were tall and blonde, <laughs> lots of tall blonde people. Yeah. And And I think that, I mean, I was actually sort of imported to Wisconsin. My father is half, uh, was half English, half Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. So there aren't a lot of Puerto Ricans in Madison, Wisconsin, but there are a lot of Puerto Ricans in New York City. And I think that there is something to feeling, seeing yourself represented, Mm -hmm. You know, the body image diversity movement right now is very much about representation, representation matters. And there is something about seeing yourself represented in the media that does something to you, that tells you like, it's okay to be you, which is I think why it's so important that we continue to fight for representation in the media and that happens.
1: I couldn't agree more. You know, I just saw this, I just saw a post that's being shared all over Instagram that's just gone completely haywire and it was of like Sports Illustrated, Fashion show where there were all sorts, shapes, sizes, colors, abilities of bodies as models, and I, I genuinely cried when I saw this because, because you know we grew up. I grew up anyway as a millennial. I grew up looking, watching Victoria's Secret. Uh, like angel fashion shows right and being like why don't i look like that why do i not look like that why is my hair not look like that why is it not straight and like i recognize i'm speaking from a place of like being a white able bodied woman as i say this right um i don't think body image discriminates unfortunately like i think we all have like we all have our own toxic beauty standards that we try to ascribe to um but i'm i'm really i'm really touched that 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 this is the path that you found yourself um, exploring and and bringing awareness to and bringing healing to, because it's so important. Like it's, it's so important the amount of the amount of self-loathing and self destruction and comparison and misery that we can get into in our minds because of the way that we look or don't look. I mean, you're the, you're the expert. So, (laughs) so so tell us all about it. You know, we're, yeah. Anyway, okay, back to you.
0: Yeah. No, it's interesting because I grew up also looking at the Victoria's Secret magazines. You watched Angel's Show, and we both are sort of white, able-bodied women, right? So, so to to say, like body image doesn't body image issues doesn't discriminate, hundred percent, right? And even the people, I think people mm, like us often feel shame around their body image issues because of this thing it's like hey i'm so privileged what do i have to to feel bad about you know so there is something about being closer and closer and closer to the norm that actually i think escalates like a sense of like i don't have a right to this sort of like emotional angst and yet it's still there and and i say this like comparison like suffering isn't comparative like it's not a competition like suffering is suffering and the person who's suffering it feels like a lot but in New York City as you've probably heard there's lots of different kinds of people (laughs) lots and lots of different kinds of people and for someone who always felt like an outlier um because my looks kind of because of, of many things I think that to come to New York City it allowed me to be everything I wanted to be in a lot of ways because I was away from my small town where I grew up. Nobody knew me. It was like camp for adults. That's sort of what New York is like, camp for adults. It's like, you know, when you get away from your parents and then you like are skinny dipping and smoking pot or whatever you like to do when you get away from your adult, from your parents. That's sort of the way like New York City feels in a way. It was like, oh my gosh, I could do anything. I could be anybody. It'll it'll take a lot from you to make it happen for sure. But But I think also... In New York City, I didn't feel like I didn't fit in. I felt like I fit in because everybody fits in here, and that's like a really special thing to 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 be able to fit in, no matter what you look like. It's the exact opposite, right? It's the exact opposite of what we're what we're taught. It's like usually to fit in, you got to look alike. But in New York, in order to fit in, you got to look like you, right? And that's sort of what I think what is um, what is praised and valued is looking mm-hmm. like you in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, at least in Manhattan, <laughs> okay. at least in Manhattan and Brooklyn. So anyway, I wrote this book because I wanted to share what I had learned and to help other people with their suffering. So one of the very foundational, uh, lessons that I learned from my yoga teacher on a forest is that it's, we as teachers, it's important that we take the suffering of our lives and transform it into wisdom for our students. That's what we do.
1: Is that how you, is that what led you But to writing this book was like, realizing the way to be included was to be yourself in New York city. Like did, was that kind of like the catalyst to where your book originated from? Like, how did you, where did this idea come from? Where did you come to the, where did you have this light bulb moment of like, I need to write a book about my body being my best friend and other people's bodies being their best friend. Where did that come from?
0: It came from my path as a teacher. And, and there's, there's something funny about yoga that you've probably noticed, which is yoga, yoga, you can't promise anybody any concrete results with yoga, right? Yoga is like this magic fairy dust thing that you just sprinkle here and there and something good's going to happen probably. Right. But you can't be like, Hey, go to yoga. You'll definitely love your body. Right. (laughs) And so yoga, like has a marketing proposition, right? Marketing proposition problem. And it, it, And so I thought about like this experience that I had had which was that I I hated myself less and I wondered how that happened. And then I thought about how that happened and I reverse engineered the lessons that I learned at yoga into the book so that if a person wanted to achieve a very specific outcome that they could do this. Because the funny thing about yoga is like, even there's there's many books written about uh, sort of mem- memoirish kind of anecdotal things about my, uh, my relationship with myself improved. And then there's this story, right? But there's no actual prescriptive. There's no actual program. So you're left to sort of like decipher from someone else's story, how it worked for them. You know, and they might say something like, well, get rid of your scales and your mirrors. Okay, then what? You know, then what? And so I wanted to share what I had learned, which when I thought about like a number of things that I've learned at yoga that were concrete, you know, it's like, well, my back hurts a lot less. And I teach people about how to take care of their back all the time. But that's something that's sort of folded up, you can fold that into a regular yoga class. But the content of the book is verbose, (laughs) right? So you actually need to read the book in order to get it, I can't like teach you all that in a series of yoga classes. So what happens usually at yoga is that you get you get sort of like random messaging, whatever the whatever the teacher feels like from day to day. Today is self-compassion day, tomorrow's forgiveness day, the next day is like, I don't know, like love yourself day, right? So you get these random messages. And over time it amounts to something, right? But but who knows how you get to that something or what that something is. So I realized that I had arrived at as something that was valuable, I thought, to other people, which was to have a friendly relationship with the body and to love myself more or hate myself less, depending on how you want to look at it. And I thought that I could actually articulate a curriculum towards that that could work in a repeated fashion for other people. Does that make sense? Instead of just like you you go to class and there's this and there's that, and then there's the other thing. And somehow your brain mashes it together into something useful that you would actually be like, here's the goal, here's the goal. Here's the result I want. What do I do? Here's the program. And I realized that somehow my brain had mashed all these random lessons together into something useful. And something that I think I was looking for on my own anyway, like I knew that, I knew that the relationship that I had with my body wasn't useful, right? It was just a path to misery.
1: Tell me what you mean by that. My relationship to my body wasn't useful. What does that tell me? Tell me more about that.
0: relationship with your body where you uh, mistreat it, abuse it, or violent with it, not useful. People think that it's useful. People think that if they do terrible things to their body that they'll be thinner or be thinner or be thinner you know whatever. right But the truth of the matter is that that's not useful. It's not useful because as I keep telling you know my clients is that projects that are built on hate or violence eventually will fall apart. Whatever you do, you gotta do it out of love. You gotta do it with some benevolence. And so it's not useful, right? To beat yourself up. It's not useful to do the things that I was doing. It's not useful to go to the gym for like two hours a day, seven days a week and be like a raging bitch if I didn't go, you know? you can't have functional relationships that way. You can't have functional relationships with yourself. You can't have functional relationships in the world. You can have some dysfunctional ones, but if you want like healthy ones, then maybe, maybe like fix it, right? You can't like restrict and then binge. That's not useful. It's actually not a useful relationship with your body. Does that Does this make more sense now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was curious, uh, like specifically about, about what that, what that meant to you. I think, I think everyone listening to this show and me included has some sort of harmful, abusive patterns that we've engaged in with our own bodies. So I was curious about like, what's your, what's your stance and, um, you know, the kind of sentiment that dieting is violence, dieting your body is being violent to your body, right? hating yourself so much that you want there to be less of you is violent it's and 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 where it's so ingrained in our culture that that's what we need to do to be good enough worthy pretty enough tiny enough small enough ladylike enough and it's heartbreaking and infuriating and I mean the upside is that I get to have conversations with people like you who are trying to change this conversation about it because because Thankfully, there's a movement, you know, thankfully there is a, there is a a body positivity movement. Thankfully, there are people like you, Erica, who are writing books about changing this conversation and saying, you know, this is not a, this is not a useful relationship. And I love that. I love the specific language that you use. You know, I love the, how you call it a useful relationship with your body. It doesn't make it a right or wrong, right? Like if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I'm being really mean to my body, I'm bad. Right. I love what, how you, how you phrase it as a useful relationship, because to me that removes the judgment aspect of it. To me, that makes it not like I'm doing something wrong. It's just this relationship isn't useful. Right. Right. This relationship with dieting isn't useful. This binging and restricting cycle isn't useful. These other ways, these pills or these whatever's that I'm putting in my body to make less of it be there isn't useful. And I'm not bad about, I'm not good or bad because of it. It just is the way that it is. And then we get to ask some more questions about what we want to do from there. And whatever that answer is, is okay. You get to ask different
0: questions. You get to ask different questions, which I think is really important. Instead of like, how can I be thinner? You can ask questions like, how can I be more gentle with myself and have different outcomes? And useful also I think is really important because it calls up um, something that's really vicious that's built into this whole dieting thing is that you're supposed to have an outcome. And so the utility of the dieting is the outcome, but the the relationship between the dieting and the outcome are very, very um, tenuous. (laughs) <laughs> uh, a mirage, probably even at best, but somehow we've bought into this. So it's like part of this is built on looking at what is the return on the investment that you're getting. And useful to me is like that you get you you get good results, and good results are results that um, create compassion and generosity and resiliency in your life. I think that it's really important. Even you know on a cosmic scale to look at the violence that we do to ourselves because I think that it reduces our threshold of of being appalled when violence happens elsewhere. Mm. So it's 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 really important. What I, were you going to ask me? before I, I-,
1: I-, I want this. I want you, listener. I want you to press pause and repeat, like go back thirty seconds and re-listen to what Erica just said again. That was. Uh, fucking nugget that was a gold ass nugget rewind that (laughs) listen again that was great this is like blowing my brain apart um I don't remember what my question was I mean (laughs) who really knows um Maybe I did maybe this maybe this is the question um where you know where did you come to the realization like I've got to change this conversation that I'm having with myself like did you did you have like a pivotal moment in time were you like okay you've recognized this isn't a helpful thing were you like okay hold the phone something's happening was it like a crisis moment or was it like a slow awakening like yoga is and does for us what happened
0: yeah well I think that um, as one of my mentors says, overnight successes are 20 years in the making. So you do the work, you do the work, you do the work, you do the work, and then something happens. And then there's a pivotal moment, right? And so, yes, there was all this yoga, but the pivotal moment really was like, I gained 20 pounds. And and it was just like, how'd that happen? <laughs> you know? And I would say to my friends, like, I gained 20 pounds. They'd be like, where, you know? So that was really interesting because I felt like, I felt very uncomfortable and nobody was responding to me any differently. Right. They were like, you look amazing. You look beautiful. What did you gain it in your tits? They look great. You know, like, you know, maybe slightly inappropriate, but you know, anyway, I'm tall, I'm tall, I'm curvy boobs and tits and ass. And so like, that's where we go. So, but I was uncomfortable. And so there's something that's really interesting is like this inner comfort outer uh, reflections. Right. And even if sometimes people are like, you look great, you look wonderful. If someone still feels uncomfortable, they're going to want to do something. And I was uncomfortable, but I knew that down that road, the, I feel uncomfortable. So now I'm going to start to restrict and I'm going to check out my exercising and do more. I knew down that road was misery. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's what my my yoga teacher calls a warrior's choice. It's where you decide to do something new, to do something you don't understand because you're stepping into the unknown because at least the only thing you know is over there, that sucks. And I don't want to do that again. Mm -hmm. And so that was really, that was probably like 2010, I want to say uh yeah and and i was just like okay i'm not gonna do anything and and i tell this to it's a little tip i'll put this in here it's a little tip when you gain weight wait mm-hmm. when you gain weight just like pause before you start Freaky doing talk. all your crazy doing all your crazy stuff just like deep breath, pause. And that's basically what I did is I paused and I, you know, did that thing that yogis talk about. I sat in the discomfort and I really tried to alter the neurological pattern because basically what, what happens is, is we get patterned neurologically to have the same thought over and over and over again, as a result of a stimulus. And the stimulus was, I feel fat. And then the thought was, you know, any number of things I'm unlovable. I won't, I can't work as a yoga teacher because I have to be like, I have to look the part, you know, I have to look healthy and people think thin is healthy. Not the case. It's a lot of really thin, very unhealthy people. Right. So so all of these these jackals of anxiety started to talk to me, and so the real trick was just to like sit with it and be like, "Really, is that all true? Is that true? No one's gonna love me? I know a lot of people who are in less great shape than I am. Whoop whoop, who are deeply wildly." Loved by the people around them. I have people in my life who are like that. I love them. There is no relationship between your weight and your lovability. And if someone boils it down to that, can I swear on this show?
1: Oh, fucking me again. (laughs) Fuck them.
0: Fuck them. If that's what it boils down to, fuck them. Okay. Now, are there realities of attraction between partners. Yes. And do those realities of attraction sometimes run along the lines of like what your body looks like. Yes, it does. And I think everybody has a right to be attracted to the kind of person they are attracted to. Right. I'm not. And I have this conversation with some of my guy friends. They're like, I don't know if I should be saying this to you, but I just don't think that fat people are attractive. And that's like, that's fine. That's fine. No one's asking you to have sex with that person, but there are a lot of people who think that fat people are attractive. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there. So, so you can have your, your own axis of attraction. But if that's all that's going on between you and another person, maybe it's time to diversify.
1: Sure. Absolutely. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, just a little aside. All my clients cringed when you said the sit in the discomfort thing. Like I can feel, I felt it. Up, <laughs> felt it already. I'm preempted <laughs> the, the discomfort, the eye twitch that happened. Um, yeah. Okay, tell me more about your book. Give me your book, and I mean, we have been talking about your book. I'm sure, right? But, but. Should I grab a copy of it and bring it over to the screen? Yeah, sure.
0: Okay, let me just grab it. It's on my book stack right over here. Here's the book. Your Body, Your Best Friend. By the way, this was not the original title. This was the product. The title was the product of my marketing team's brilliance at the publisher they came up with this. I sold it to the publisher with the title, Adore Your Body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I'm really glad that they moved away from that because I find that for some people, the notion of adoring their body is seems very out of reach. Mm-hmm. But I like the word, "the your body, your best friend, because I think that everybody has a feeling of what it feels like to be friendly towards a person. Mm -hmm. and to have that reciprocated like have someone feel friendly towards you and I think that that encapsulates everything about body and body image is it's actually you can't think your way into this change although my book is very um has a lot of intellectual components to it because we do need to like Take apart the part of you that thinks that you need to do X, Y, or Z in order to have or be X, A, B, and C, right? But the way to it is that you have to feel your way to it. And so let's just do this right now. We'll, we'll give a little, we'll give a little like embodied moment for you and for your listeners. It's just like think about the person you love the most in the world and just feel that feeling in your body. And then as you inhale, just breathe that feeling in, like it fills up your lungs. And then wash that sensation out through every cell in your body. So you're like distributing that feeling to your own body. I love you. And you may recoil a little bit. There may be like a little bit, but, but yeah, but I don't deserve it or my body doesn't deserve it. And that is part of what we need to dismantle like with the book. But you have a feeling of what it is to be friendly. And if you can kind of turn the laser beam on that friendliness towards your own body and then allow it to be friendly back to you. See, this is the thing is when you're always mean to someone, chances are that they're not gonna be very nice back to you. So here we go into this relationship, A, not having a relationship, B, being a real jerk, and then we're expecting great results. Why am I so tired all the time? Maybe because you don't sleep enough or drink enough water, or like you only eat sugar and drink coffee. What results were you expecting? This falls into the category of not useful. I'm learning about this all the time. I had, a, I had an appointment last Monday with an integrative doctor who basically told me you need to drink more electrolytes. Water isn't good enough. And I've been drinking like my ho- a homemade electrolyte solution. And guess what? I'm not tired anymore. I have not had any caffeine. I've been drinking an electrolyte solution. I was like, this is amazing. Why did I not know about this? And so the thing is is like sometimes we don't even know that we're being cruel to our bodies until someone's like, "Hey, maybe you should try like drinking an electrolyte solution. You're dehydrated."
1: I just had this little like blurb come in my I remember being, I don't know if I was like in high school, with like Cosmopolitan or something. And it was like, when you're hungry, you're not probably not hungry. You're actually thirsty. So drink some water. So I've had this like big water habit for a long, long time, like to the point where I'm drinking so much water that I'm just so thirsty all the time. I need to try. And I it, this, like just popped in my head. I need to try this electrolyte drink. Cause I drink so much water and I'm always like so thirsty. I'm probably dehydrating myself because I'm not getting enough electrolytes. <sighs> I really- I know.
0: I, he, he was like, water is not good enough. So let me tell you the electrolyte solution. It's basically like equal parts, like honey, citrus, and salt, not equal parts. It'll be way too salty. So I've been putting in like three teaspoons of honey, three teaspoons of like citrus, like lime juice or lemon juice, and then three pinches of salt. Stir it up like, like, like your water bottle. You could do that in your water bottle and then drink it and, and I was just like, holy smokes, I feel so much better. I'm here. So much that. better. Okay, I'm trying to. So, now. anyway, back to the book. Back to the book. We're,
1: we're like, we <laughs> only me- just met today. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> so, the book
0: has seven chapters, but but each chapter basically has four components that I think are really important in terms of the architecture of the book. And the first is is a little bit of a memoir. It's a little bit about me, right? Because above all I want, this is a really sensitive, tender topic. And I want all of my readers to feel like they could identify with me or like, I get it. And so the the memoir pieces are designed in a way to share with you about my challenges. So you get more window into my life. Then the second part of the challenge, the second part of the challenge, the second part of the chapter or the lesson talks about societal structures that make you have the experience that you have. Like imagine if the Angels runway show didn't exist or it hadn't existed when you grew up and maybe the Sports Illustrated thing existed when you grew up, you would have a different societal construct that you were experiencing, yeah? And then the third piece of the chapter is I talk about what it is to be human because there are certain inherent traits of the species. We are a species. (laughs) You might forget about that, but there are things inherent to the species that make us have the kind of experiences that we do. Cats don't have the experience that we do because they're cats. You know, I was talking with someone yesterday about, he asked me, do you know how to take care of horses? I was like, not really. They're a completely different species. And, you know, like you actually need to know how to take care of them because they have funny things that happen to their bodies because they're a different species, right? It's, it's That's the same with every species. So humans are a species that have foibles that are inherent. And, and the third part of each chapter talks about what it is, what this foible is that makes you suffer the way that you do. And then the fourth part of each chapter is a, is a, a, a practice usually der- derived from yoga that I think is really important for you to start to generate a relationship with your body because you have to start somewhere. And usually people think they've already done it and, and they haven't, they just haven't. So each chapter has these components. And the the first four chapters take you through mindsets that I think are very harmful and suggests an alternative to them. So the first mindset is this notion that our experience of happiness is staked upon the attractiveness of our body and our face, right? So that's it. I call it the happiness trap. So I pull that apart. The second mindset that I think is very destructive is... I call this chapter is called the greener grass, and it's basically around comparison, envy, judgment, and competition, and how these the the experiences and the mindsets that go with these experiences are very harmful, and I suggest some alternatives. The third is the third chapter is called um, question the mirror. Uh, no, it's called Turn Poison into Good Medicine, I think. And basically what it's about is perfectionism and how perfectionism is a, I mean, it will suck the life out of you. It will kill you. Perfectionism will kill you if you're not careful. It is a murderer, a murderer. So I pull that apart and then suggest some alternatives. Chapter four is called um, Tame the Spin Doctor. And it's about how we think that we're we actually very, um, We're very binary, right? Humans are binary sort of by nature. It's good or it's bad, it's black or it's white, it's up or it's down, it's hot or it's cold. We're sort of built that way. And and it's not to our advantage. (laughs) Binaries are not to our advantage. And so it talks basically about good and bad and your interpretation of experiences that you have as good or bad and tells you this is not helpful, here's an alternative. That gets us through chapter one through four. And I think once you sort of master those four things, you've done a lot of great work. (laughs) Chapter five gets down into what it is to have a body and specifically to have a female body. It talks about the danger of having a female body because it is dangerous to have a female body. Um, Modernity is quite safe for us in many regards. Instances of rape and murder and death and childbirth are um, very, very low right now as compared to the course of human history. I talk about the witch hunts, which is the most undocumented genocide in human history where millions of women specifically were murdered. So we have a very deep uh, reptilian biological understanding that to be female is to be unsafe. And in order to make friends with your body, we have to Claim our safety. We have to claim our safety, even if it's not safe. This is a very, very like, um you know, Kung Fu Panda kind of thing. It's like, it's not safe, but we're going to make it safe.
1: I love that. Kung Fu Panda. It's not safe. We're going to trick you. Pretty much. Can we trick our bodies? Our bodies always know, don't they? It's
0: going to be safe. Yeah. It's not safe, but we're going to make it safe. We're going to make it that safe. That is the yeah.
1: But like and you said, track- all pattern, it's all patterning, right? Like we've patterned to be, we've patterned to have the thoughts and the beliefs that it's unsafe. So really to become safe, it's, I'm sure this is some, maybe you talk about this in the book, it's just patterning the safety, right? Learning that it is safe.
0: Learning that it is safe and even making the decision to be safe, even if it's not, because the only, the only, the only thing we have any control over is our experience. Right. The, uh, the only unconditional love that you are guaranteed in your life is the love of yourself. That's the only unconditional love you are guaranteed. You have to work for it, but, but it's not like you have to negotiate with another person and, or they're going to say, no, it's like, you can keep coming back to yourself and negotiate this. So that's what I mean. It's like, you can make it safe, even if it's not sure. I think that there there are there are great examples of that in human history where human beings were subjected to genocide, and they decided to rise above. You know, so so there's that. That's chapter five, and then chapter six and seven is kind of like, hey, let's learn how to take care of this thing called you on its own terms, and so. I give you legs in those chapters for looking at how do you take care of yourself with all of this new knowledge. I'm just finishing running uh, my six week summer session. Um, It's called the Adore Your Body Six Week Summer Session. And one of the participants reflected sort of on the order of the information. And the first module in in this particular summer session is, Um, I call them core competencies. So we're looking at core competencies in your relationship with your body. And the particular core competency that I begin with is how do you handle injury, illness, and aging? Mm. And she was like, I thought it was a really weird place to start, but then I realized you put food and movement at the end. And I felt like I had fresh perspective on all of those things because we did these other things first. I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna start with food (laughs) because food is so deeply neural patterned in a way that's very hard to escape, right? It'd just be like rehashing stuff you've already thought about or already heard. So anyway, chapters six and seven, I think are like, "Let's, let's start over. Now that we've gone through all this, let's start over and learn how to take care of the thing that you call you in a new way.
1: And that's the book but I'm bump. Uh-huh. Amazing. If we want to read this book, my friend, where in the world can we order this book? Well, you
0: can order it. What I would recommend actually is, is going to your local bookstore and asking if they carry it. And if they don't asking if they would order it, Because Because it does two things. It supports your local bookstore and it creates a little demand for my book in a place where it otherwise isn't. So I think it does two good things. I was just writing about this today on my Instagram account is that mostly what I hear from people is that they want, they want to feel free and they want to be more confident. They want to not feel held back. They want to be able to eat without feeling guilt or shame. Mm-hmm. And uh, f- feeling freedom, feeling free or even feeling confident, that's very like esoteric. Like we have to talk about what freedom is and what your experience of it is in the first place or confidence. But, you know, not feeling held back is also another esoteric kind of thing. It's like, well, what would you move towards if you didn't feel held back is sort of the next question. And then, like eating free of guilt or shame. That's very concrete. Like that's super concrete. One of my friends, actually, she says that to me all, about me all the time. She's like, you just eat without shame. And I'm like, yeah, I've been working on this for a long time, <laughs> long time, long time. Mm-hmm. So yes. Lots of
1: untangling, lots of untangling to do though. I think to get to that point, um, right. Like to be able to eat without shame is like, it's, it, how many of us see like a package of something and the first thing we do is like flip it over and look at the calorie count on it, right? It's mm-hmm. like unlearning those patterns and being like I can be confident once once I detach my worth from these toxic social beauty standards that I didn't set. So
0: <sighs> ding ding and I think it's it's a little bit both and mm-hmm. it's both and you do them simultaneously.
1: Right? There's that binary again. doesn't have to be either or. There you
0: go. Okay, local bookstore.
1: Once again, the title of this book, hit a Your Body, Your Best Friend. Your Your Body,
0: body, Your Best Friend, semicolon. And the confidence crushing pursuit of unrealistic beauty standards and embrace your true power.
1: By Erica Mather. Erica with a C. Correct. Thank you very much for noticing that. You're so welcome. And y'all listeners, if you want to connect with Erica further, you can follow her on the grams at Erica underscore Mather, M-A-T-H-E-R, Erica with a C, or hit her up on her website, www.ericamather.com. I'll link those up in the show notes.
0: Also, if you really, if you really want to connect in a more, I would say hop on my mailing list because I write to my mailing list and I write stuff to my mailing list that I don't write to the Instagram either so so there is not always a replication of content
1: how do we get on your mailing list go do we go to your instagram can we opt into your mailing list from your instagram or do we go to your website ericamather.com yeah
0: the
1: website yep cool it's been a real slice anything else any final words of wisdom that you want to share with uh with our babes
0: a queen Mm -hmm. the queen of the castle is embodied. Mm. The queen of the castle is embodied like nobility. So when you think about this, and I just want to tie it back to what Brittany's working on too, is like, when you think about your body image challenges, the, the, the direction you're going is to embody the most noble aspects of yourself, because that's what people will fall in love with. That's what stepchildren will fall in love with. That's what new, new, new partners will fall in love with is they'll fall in love with your compassion, your generosity, your patience. So really feel for gravitating towards bringing those things to life through your body, Mm -hmm. because kindness is just a nice concept until someone embodies it. So I want to leave you with that. Move in that direction.
1: The Mike queen drop, of the Mike realm. drop bitches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Think about your most noble qualities as the queen of your realm. Write them down and then go inside and feel what it's like to be that person. Feel what it's like and feel it move through your body.
1: I love that. I love that so much. Mike. My- clients are twi- twi- their eyes are twitchy again though they hate when I say their eyes are
0: twitching see it's not just me
1: stepmom story girls it's not just me who says this I see hand to god it's not just me this is a thing feel it you gotta feel it okay Erica it's in a real slice thank you so much It has. it's amazing thank you so much for the work that you're doing thank you so much for bringing awareness to this I can't wait I can't wait to dig into it I'm gonna head to my local bookstore and I'm going to order it. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, My
0: pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you everybody for listening. Thanks for being awesome.
1: Your body's your bestie. I wanted to let you know about a special online mini training that I'm offering for free for a limited time. It's called Peace, Love, Stepmom. And not to toot my own horn, but beep beep, it's pretty freaking awesome. Peace Love Stepmom will give you the exact steps to take in order to create more harmony in your stepfamily without feeling like you have to walk on eggshells or bite your tongue or ignore your own needs just to keep the peace. Because if you are listening to this, then chances are pretty good that you know there's a big difference between not fighting and actually feeling peaceful. To enroll in Peace, Love, Stepmom and get immediate access to this incredible online course, head to peacelovestepmom.com and sign up. It's totally free. You don't want to miss it. So go to peacelovestepmom.com to enroll and get immediate access. I hope this episode got your wheels turning and showed you just how powerful You are. I would invite you to take 30 seconds and tap subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, then rest assured you will never miss an episode. And in no time, spinning your wheels will be a thing of the past. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if after you subscribed, you jumped on over and left me a five star review and, better yet, a written review. I am on a mission to let every mom and stepmom know that you can create the life of your dreams. And I need your help to change the world. The world needs us. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. I will see you next week. I love you so much. I love you so much. Make it rain, girlfriend.